Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And welcome to Antiques Freaks. It's the sultriest podcast we know. It's the most having a cold podcast we've ever recorded. (laughs) You don't have to admit that. I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to seduce them. (laughs) What antiques are we talking about this week? I want to talk about bridal baskets. Tis the season. Tis the season. It is an antique that people misunderstand frequently or don't think about at all. So I'm going to make you think about it. I'm going to make you understand. I fall into the latter category, so this will be a new experience for me. (laughs) So you don't know what a bridal basket is? I have never heard the phrase until just now. Well, bridal basket is actually a modern phrase to describe what was at one point a much more utilitarian object. Such as a basket? Cake bowl, a berry or fruit bowl, or either cake basket, berry fruit basket. Are these the ceramic bowls that they weave the clay into like a basket frame so it's basically just a ceramic basket? No, that is a French style fruit basket which will have to have its own episode. Oh boy. (laughs) I am genuinely enthusiastic. I just sound like this. (laughs) It just sounds like this, folks. But yeah, so a bridal basket began its life in the early 19th century as either a coin or solid sterling silver basket. These were generally just fancy gifts, mostly to women, as they were expected to do the hostessing. Now, are these baskets woven out of silver wire or cast whole out of silver? Cast whole out of silver. They don't resemble baskets except in that they have a flat bowlish bottom and a handle. Frankly, I think that's cheating. Now, as they were just generally very supple, that's not the word. You know what? No, we're going no. To you now. said it is the thing. The thing is that you said it, and I'm the one who <laughs> yeah. edits the podcast. So that's staying, yeah. folks. Yeah, they're supple, very high end, very luxurious is the word I was going for. A uh, kind of gift. It made sense that it would also be a gift for a wedding. The most supple occasion known to humankind. The most, the most supple event one can experience: a wedding. Given that women were expected to do most of the hostessing and entertaining, the basket, while presented as a wedding gift for the happy couple, was largely understood to be the bride's purview. Isn't that most wedding gifts? Well, not anymore, because now people give, like, sick wedding gifts, like bread makers and blenders and shit. Damn. Yeah, like, wedding gifts rule now. So, through the mid-19th century, the silver basket's place at the bride's side became more ceremonial to the wedding itself. It would hold flower petals for the flower girl to scatter, and then serve as a tabletop display for the bride's bouquet during the reception. And then, of course, would take place of pride in the happy couple's new house. Now, towards the end of the 19th century, this had become such a popular bridal gift slash ceremony that manufacturers were finding ways to make them more affordable, appealing to the middle and lower class, which made manufacturers look to silver plate. The poor man's silver. Which, again, still contains silver. It does. It is plated with silver. A thin coating of silver applied to a base metal. But, of course, a thin coating of silver does save money on the manufacturing process, which saves you money when you're buying it for your wedding. And we've passed those savings on to you. Over time, glass companies watched silver-plated bridal baskets becoming the hottest ticket of the bridal season and bought in. By the turn of the 20th century, glass bowls appear to be paired with silver-plated basket holders. Now, over time, it became very common practice for a silver company that was making silver plate basket bases to purchase glass baskets en masse to pair with the stands. Much more infrequently, glass companies would do the same where they would buy the stands to pair with their hand-blown baskets. 
And this is, I think, in my opinion, humble as it may be, the quintessential bridal basket is a beautiful art glass bowl held delicately in a silver plate, sometimes ornate, never late, <laughs> basket holder. One of the most exciting developments of the baskets being made partially out of glass meant that the aesthetic could be as varied as possible. No longer was it just down to metalsmiths and silversmiths to develop the look, you could have rigare, Humpst. which is a horizontal band of applied glass embellishment. Ah. You could have satin glass, frosted glass, mica chipped glass, cased glass, faded glass, peach blow, amberina, any kind you'd like. And what's more, you could have different shapes for the bowl. Oval? Rectangle? Triangle? The fucking, the world was your oyster as far as the shape of this basket. Now, like most things, by the time we were creeping into the 1920s, the popularity of a bride's basket faded as society became, well, less fanciful, let's say. But can what decade do we associate a resurgence in things that are thought of as kind of over-the-top and tacky? The 60s? The 50s and 60s. Yay, kitsch has returned. Production resumed on bridal baskets in the 50s and 60s. A lot of the interest in them was actually in vintage and antique pieces. Very big into repurposing it and creating a point of contrast to the streamlined futuristic look that houses were taking on. Now, just because they were more affordable didn't mean that they weren't still luxury. You could find bride's baskets with the bowl created by Pearpoint. Sometimes the bowl and the stand created by Pearpoint as they had both silver and glass. Reed and Barton, Meriden, Mount Washington, Mosier, and Webb. All high-end glass companies that go for good money today. Now, uh, before I get into some of the nitty-gritty, I gotta ask, because this has been bugging me since I started looking into this. Do you think this would make a good gift today? Absolutely not. You don't? It's one more thing to dust that has extremely limited use. I think a bowl has actually a pretty broad use. It's fragile. It's delicate. It's difficult to care for. You sure as shit can't run it through the dishwasher. And where in your house are you going to put it? The kitchen table, to hold my fruits. Bold of you to assume my kitchen is large enough to have a table. Unless your other wedding gifts to me include a house with a kitchen large enough to have a table in it, this is useless. Useless at best, insensitive at worst. <laughs> it, wait, okay, explain insensitive. Is that because of the size problem? Yeah, okay. you're telling me I have to buy a fucking house to house your stupid bullshit useless wedding, wedding gift? <laughs> you can find a space for a bowl. I'm gonna get, Absolutely I'm gonna get not. The smallest. Absolutely not. The, Never. Uh, Impossible. They came in a variety of sizes. You can get a very small one. A purely decorative one? No. Get it out of my house. Do you not eat grapes? Not out of a fucking bowl. This actually started as a way to bait you into being, like, it's talking about how much you don't like the idea. And now, and now I'm genuinely like, how dare you? So, to recap, I gave you exactly the reaction you wanted, and now you're upset. I didn't realize I was so invested. <laughs> When you get married, I'm going to get you a dollhouse-sized basket. And you're going to shortly find that basket hidden in your own house because it will go better with your doll collection than it will with anything I own. Now now it has to happen because I want this to be a back and forth for the rest of our lives. Just hiding this stupid little basket in our respective apartments. I'm just going to hide a tiny wedding basket in our apartments. Fantastic. Now, speaking of marriage, there's a dark side to the wedding basket's married status. You have to sign a prenup? You have to sign a prenup. 
with the bowl. Well, no, to figure out who gets the bowl in the divorce. <laughs> because apparently, this is incredibly valuable and everyone wants it. And people aren't divorcing just to have an excuse to foist it onto the other person. Wouldn't that be funny, though, if it was, like, cursed or something? It would be so fucking funny. Cozy Mystery Writers. Uh, you can have that one for free. You're welcome. Well, there's a time when marriage is a bad thing, Ken. Was? <laughs> you were on fire the day my So, <laughs> in any... <laughs> fucking... Here, the episode that found Kenneth is most cynical. <laughs> um, well, as with any item that's made up of two separate pieces, you want to be very aware of marriages. Which is to say, two pieces that were not meant to be together. <laughs> There's actually no way. It just sounds like an extended joke. It does, yeah. But it is actually <laughs> two pieces that weren't originally intended for each other that are just slapped together because they look good together and everyone says they ought to be together even though they really hate each other deep down. <laughs> they despise each other. Not for each other, but for the role society has forced them into. Oh boy. Uh, all right. And also sometimes for each other. Dramatic romance writers. You can have that one for free. Pretty soon we're going to start charging y'all. But yeah, there is an intended original base and bowl. However, over time, a lot of times one of these things will get broken or lost. I have heard so many horror stories about people taking the bowl out of the basket section because it just looks nicer without it. And ne'er the twain shall meet again. So you're saying that these wedding baskets have inspired marriage horror stories? Well, not in like a human marriage. I wonder if anyone's divorced over it. God, I hope so. That'd be so fucking funny. <laughs> You can't say I hope you're divorced. <laughs> you can't say I love divorce. It's very good. Over a wedding bowl? Is that not the funniest fucking thing you've ever heard, Dee? Look me in the eye and tell me I'm wrong. Oh my god. Keep the glass and the silver together for the kids. <laughs> god, could you imagine? I'm picturing like a whole thing where like the guy gets his bride, the bridal basket on their wedding day, and it's like, and it's a fake marriage it's like the wrong basin bowl and she finds out and gets pissed off and divorces him over it marriage story too so yeah the the first thing you can do to avoid getting if you care i feel like it's always important like everyone always assumes that you're gonna give a shit but like if you're just buying it because it's pretty like who cares you know yeah it is valid to enjoy things even if they're not the quote-unquote correct things yeah but in the interest of doing things in the 100% antique approved like full value way because they will lose value if they're not the original set just check the snugness since a lot of these pairings were made to fit together, if you put in any old bowl that has a similarly sized base, while it might fit nicely, it will not be perfectly snug and there will be some rattling or a little bit of offset. The keyword is easily moved within the stand. That's several words, but the key phrase is easily moved within the stand. <laughs> I'm not even the sick one and I've been saying the weirdest shit. <laughs> well, you started with wedding bowls and here we are. But yeah, if it's easily moved within the stand, that is not a pure pairing, and that was a quote-unquote a marriage. Now again, for the beauty, this might not matter. For the absolute Antiques Roadshow, like, value, it's going to matter at least a little bit. But who cares what the Kino twins think, frankly? <laughs> Another problem is that these are rarely marked, since this was two companies collaborating to create a single product. A lot of them were not marked with the maker. Except for silver companies would mark the silver frames because by law, silver plate had to be marked to differentiate it from sterling silver. Unfortunately, this doesn't help place the bowl. That is largely left up to the gods trying to determine the aesthetic. Oh. It is, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> 
you can take a look and try to determine what the aesthetic of the bowl suggests in terms of who had made it. For example, if you have a satin glass peach blow bowl, high chance that's Mount Washington. You do have to take extra precautions because while less frequent, sometimes new glass bowls are shoved into old silver plated holders. This is mostly a checking out the wear and tear on an unmarked bowl. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is, and anything that's been hanging around for over 100 years is not going to look shiny brand new. I would say the most frequent and common reproductions would definitely be Fenton. They made these well into the 90s. The noted difference is that their basket holders are not silver plate or sterling. They are usually just silver colored finish. Now, how can you determine that? That can be easy or difficult because to determine a silver colored finish, you have to notice that it won't oxidize like a true silver, which includes silver plate. So find a crevice that would be hard to polish properly and see if it looks incredibly shiny in there because it shouldn't. That is something to be very suspicious about. Because if you've dealt with silver plate, you know that it tarnishes goddamn fast, irritatingly fast. God help me, how are you ever supposed to display it fast? You see why this is a burdensome gift. It's beautiful. I love silver plate. <laughs> I'm not even mad. <laughs> I'm not even mad. I just think it's really funny. I'm not, I'm not even bothered right now. I just think it's funny. <laughs> um, that is also a part to consider when giving this as a gift. It will need to be polished if you don't like that oxidized silver finish. Which I uh, was shocked. I There are more people I know than don't who enjoy that. The silver finish, you mean? Yeah, the, the tarnish, blackish silver finish. Yeah, no, tarnish looks dope on silver, you kidding? And you're one of them. Okay, this is also news. <laughs> what can I say? I love a good tarnish. I like an artful tarnish where it's just in the crevices. That's valid. You're valid. Just to sort of highlight the details. I like that, but it has to have at least a light polish. Another thing to check out, specifically for the base, which again is the most frequently reproduced part of a wedding basket, it should never be one piece. And you should never read one piece. Wow. Someone, someone's gonna get mad at me for that one. Ken, cut that. I was gonna say, like, of everything we've said in this episode, I think that might be the most inflammatory. I just look at the all the interesting varied ways they draw the men, and then the way they draw the women, it drives me fear. It, it, it's infuriating. I can't with that. Wow. Anyway. So new frames are generally cast as one piece due to updates in manufacturing process that make it a lot faster and easier to cast even really delicate or convoluted items as one piece. An old frame should be assembled of separate pieces soldered together. So the feet are soldered to the base and the handle is always attached separately. So check out the feet and where they're attached to the base and see if you can find a seam and some soldering. And it's pretty obvious. However well done, it's very clear to see where these seams and beads of solder are. Now for trim or even just decorative details along any part of the silver basket stand, look for finning. Now finning is what happens when a mold sucks and metal leaks through the mold into the seams, which gives it a very like puddly, sharp, and inconsistent appearance instead of nice, soft, pretty angels or lace or whatever it was supposed to look like. For me, this is always like the death knell when I see that on any piece. I either assume it's brand new or even on the off chance that it isn't, it's just not the quality I would like. And to give it as a gift would be the death knell of your marriage. Yeah, and that seems pretty rude to give someone an actively shitty thing as a gift, yeah. Now, the other test, which is one of my favorites, I find this applies so often to everything, is weight. 
And this is interesting because it is the inverse to what I usually know about weight in antiques, which is that the reproductions are heavier. Unpossible. Yeah. How have they done this? This is mostly because they're cast as one piece. Uh... Having the separate pieces reduces a lot of weight. Not to mention they're just generally more finely crafted to look nicer. Nice thinner metal just sort of looks better, holds detail better, as opposed to a big heavy lump. And again, none of these on their own should be used as individual tests, but should be all put together. And if the frame is new, if you've got heavy suspicions about the frame, I would just be suspicious about the bowl. I would not expect someone to go out of their way to get a reproduction frame for a genuinely antique bowl. Although, I guess it is quite a possibility if you couldn't find one that fits. But for the people manufacturing these, it's not likely that they're going out and making them for old bowls that they found. There's probably some sort of sister manufacturer making the bowls to fit. Another quick and dirty one on that is looking for signs that it has or has not been in some way blown. <laughs> like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can't stay in. I know, but it's so funny. It's a terrible sound. That one's gonna have to be for us. <laughs> <laughs> Someone should have always blown your glass. Would you say it's the key to a successful marriage? Yes, always blow the glass. <laughs> Uh, you can look for pontal marks. You can look for the three-part seams that suggest a three-part blow mold. All of these will be very good indicators that this is an older piece. In addition to general suggestions for identifying a reproduction glass, which is, does it look brand new? Then it's brand new. That would generally suggest, yes. You'd be surprised at how easy it is to forget, I mean, even for me, how simple sometimes the advice can be. And that's that on bridal baskets. I think they're fun. I think they're neat. I think I would love to have one to put macarons in. And I would love to have one at my own wedding. Ken would not. I think I can say that pretty definitively <laughs> at this stage. Then again, we don't know who my spouse would be yet, so that could change. That's true. If you love bridal baskets and you want to be Ken's spouse... <laughs> email antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com <laughs> Don't do that, please. I get a feeling that would actually be pretty weird. Really? Why? I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's up to you. Sources. <laughs> Sources today include AntiqueTrader.com. Ten things bride's basket. Ten things I hate about bridal baskets. <laughs> Ken could fill that out in a second. My old historic house.blogspot.com. A tisket a tasket look at pretty bride's baskets. Oh, they do have fun. <laughs> Marksforantiques.com. Price guides, bride's baskets. Journalvantiques.com. Come bride's baskets. CityFarmhouseAntiques.com. The Allure of Antique Brides Baskets, which actually has a partner YouTube video, which I recommend because, man, she acquired one of the most beautiful brides baskets I've ever seen in my life. And RealOrRepro.com, a typical new brides basket frame. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends. You can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. Or you can check out our Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you liked all of the funny ways I said words today, or like thinking about marrying me, although don't bother, I've got a significant other, feel free to scroll on down to wherever you're listening to, the anti- <laughs> to this podcast and leave us a review that says, why, the, why? why are you shopping for a husband out here? 
Five stars. And if you're not shopping for a husband, but you are shopping for antiques, check out our Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash antiquesfreaks for a wide variety of vintage goods, including many clowns. Please, you have to help me. I keep buying clowns, so I need you to keep buying them off of me. And if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week, except when I sound like this, we read and review a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful, Varney the Vampire, The Feast of Blood. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye.